it's important to start with using the data and information you've got at hand in the beginning, but then analyzing the results from that and going, right, how can I interpret these results and pivot and adjust accordingly? And just as I said, in my experience, what you end up doing can often look somewhat different, but that's okay because it's just about getting going. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome back to my podcast at jamesschramko.com. This is episode 945. Today, we're talking about three steps to compete in a hyper niche competitive market. Even if you have a tiny budget, I brought along Ilana Wexler for this call. Hey, Ilana, good to have you back. Thanks so much, James. As always, it's great to be here. Yeah, look, you're running uh, teachtraffic.com. It's a fantastic site where you teach people about traffic. Yeah. It says what it does. <laughs> you're known for your traffic puzzle where you help people put together the different platforms and make them all work together because, of course, some people specialize in just Facebook, some people YouTube, some people Google. You do all of that with your data analyst background. You've got this <laughs> genius brain. You've figured it all out. I know you help a lot of my clients, so it's always such a great catch-up when we do talk about these things. You did a fantastic training for our members inside my own membership at jamesshramko.com along the same lines. And I love that training so much. I've asked if you could just give us a highlights reel, a sizzle reel for our podcast guests, you know, who are maybe not getting exposed to that training if they're not members yet. I'll say yet uh, because they should be. I think they should be members of James Shramko membership and also teachtraffic.com. So let's talk about... Um, how we can compete, because this is a, a major issue. Not everyone has the budget of Coca-Cola to go out and market. So we're not doing billboards or buses or TV ads, etc. We do know the power of these platforms like Google and Facebook and YouTube, but we're just sort of like, where do we even start? We've got this small budget. Usually the story goes, I run an ad, I blow my budget, I didn't get the conversions I want, I stop and then I never do it again. Or mm -hmm. I paid 5000 10000 8000 whatever for an agency. They blew my budget, didn't get a result, and then I'm never going to get an agency again. This, this is the story I hear on repeat. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can interrupt that standard pattern and say, you know what? Even if you are in a competitive market, even if you do have a small budget, there's hope for you. So take it away, Alana. Yeah, I think you really touched on a really important point, like in that, you know, these days, like find me a market that's not competitive really, right? So every market is competitive and unless you have a really large budget, it can be really hard and daunting in order to know where and how to compete. I guess the good news here is like I have participated and competed on behalf of be it teach traffic members or even in my agency work over the many years, which are kind of like dog years, I like to say. It is possible, and I guess that's my hope out of going through the content in this episode, James, is by the time we get to the end of this episode, your listeners will feel like they're in a better position to at least critically analyze where they start because it's a misconception and a misnomer that you need to do everything, okay? And maybe you end up doing everything, right? But you start small in a very calculated and strategic way. And that's my goal from this episode is to educate people in how to think about how they can start small, get some wins under their belt so they get money in the door, confidence to then grow and expand and, and scale from there. But yeah, as you say, many agencies go, right, we've got to spend 10K a month and because also they're justifying their agency fees and 
they're testing a whole bunch of different things and maybe, you know, it's a bit scary for some people. So I totally get that. And as I said, my goal is to help people critically analyze how they can kind of start small and kind of grow and scale from that. So you don't have to burn a huge amount of budget. Okay. So the conundrum that many people face when starting out is, do I do Facebook or Google? I mean, of course, there's now other platforms as well. There's Pinterest, there's TikTok, but really the lion's share of most people's budget does fall into that decision of Facebook versus Google. So if we maybe touch on the fundamental differences between those two platforms, which I think will arm your listeners in order for choosing one platform to start with. I love it. So just a quick recap. It sounds like you're saying we should pull out our sniper rifle and scope instead of taking the shotgun on this journey. Absolutely. Like I always like to think, you've got to think like a sniper and just cherry pick and be laser focused in what you start doing. Get that proof of concept first if you're starting out or just get some wins under your belt so you get the confidence and then you can obviously, and I'm a big fan of growing and scaling, which is an entirely different strategy, but we're not really talking about that at this point. And so now you're going to tell us whether we should be aiming at Google or Facebook. Exactly. So if we talk about like the fundamental differences, right? Firstly, the Google platform is much bigger than people actually realize. (laughs) There's essentially four main parts or buckets, as I like to say, to the Google platform. The first is Google search. We've all gone to google.com or .com.au for Aussie listeners or whatever and typed in a query and you've seen those text ads that come up above the organic results. That's fine. Okay, that's Google search. A completely other bucket and part of Google ads is the Google display network, which is showing ads on other people's websites. So publisher websites, be it if you're in Australia, you know, the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age and, and you know, eBay, if you're in America, New York Times, LA Times, you know, literally over 2 million websites. Now, you can't choose any website. They have to allow Google ads on their site in order for you to have then the ability to put your Google ad on them. As I said, there's over 2 million websites and it saves you the hassle of going to have to go directly to this publisher and say, can I put a banner on your website? You just do it through the Google ad platform. Okay. The Google display network behaves completely differently to the Google search network. You will get hundreds, if not thousands of impressions hundreds of thousands rather, you get a very low click-through rate. It doesn't matter. You're getting a lot of free branding. It's all about what you're paying for that lead. Okay. Third bucket, which is also, you know, its own subspecialty is YouTube. And there are obviously YouTube ad people who just only do YouTube ads. That's fine. And the most common type of ad people do on YouTube are what's called the in-stream ads, which are the video ads that show up before the video you're about to watch. Okay. That's also accessible through the Google ad network. And then the fourth main part is Google shopping, which are those image ads with the price under it just on google.com, but you can actually integrate them with YouTube. It gets a bit confusing, but if you're not in e-commerce, don't worry about it. It's purely just for people who sell physical products, okay? So why you might use Google as a starting point, if let's say you're in e-commerce, right, and people are actively searching for your product, then Google Shopping, I would say, is a complete no-brainer. It works very well. (laughs) People go to Google to buy things and it's a matter of who they're buying from rather than if they're going to buy something or if they're deciding, or, or they are also in research mode, absolutely. 
but usually at the point of which they're going to buy, they go to Google and they are in buying mode, credit card in hand. Okay. So if you have an e-commerce store, Google search is there, but not even just that. Like if you've got a local business, be it a dentist, I used to specialize in Google ads for dentists. I know a lot about that space, Um, but any kind of like local business, service business, if you sell something where you can effectively swipe your ad in front of someone at the moment, they're showing intent, then Google search or shopping is a perfect starting point. Okay. So it's great for if your product or service has intent and also great for local business because you can incorporate ads in Google maps. Okay. Google ad platform is also really good for people who want to get really good reach. So the Google display network, Google are very um, open about the fact that you can access over 90% of all US internet users, which is pretty amazing if you think about it. Mm. Someone can have a detox from social media. I know I've done that on a number of occasions, but in the end of the day, I'm always on a, someone's website or a news website so you can get people that get in front of people. You can see the ad for my book. You can see the ad for your book, for a retargeting campaign, all that kind of stuff. I see the ad for my book. A lot, lot of other people see the ad for my book. I, I'm pretty sure you set me up on the Google Display Network for that and it's amazing how much reach that gets. Yeah, and it's just something that just bubbles along nicely in <laughs> in the background. And YouTube, as I said, is fast and actually very underutilized. So that is why someone might think, yep, I think Google is my starting point. And that's an area that I'm going to, I guess, focus on to begin with. Why you might consider starting with Facebook over Google mm-hmm. would be if you are looking for something that people can like have a, has a viral aspect. So for example, people might tag people, like an ad, share it. If there's something, if I see something and I go, oh, that's actually a friend of mine would like that. And I would be inclined to tag them. Their targeting was better than it is now <laughs> in a post iOS 14 world. Is that because they've had some battles with different platforms, but also they've sort of become a little more under scrutiny in terms of the way they've been using information? Exactly. And also in a post iOS 14 world, which is that Apple software update, Apple users block Facebook from tracking them. (laughs) And so therefore Facebook don't have nearly the amount of data that they used to. Mm -hmm. And these days, you know, Facebook, most 99% of people use Facebook on their mobile. So it is dramatically affected by iPhone users. Yep. And it's if you've got a product or something or you're trying to sell something that people aren't really searching for, then Facebook's a really good way of kind of, you know, forcing your way in front of your target audience if they're not necessarily actively searching for it. And you can kind of create demand that way. Like let's say you've developed a new product that people kind of don't really know exist yet and aren't really searching for it, then Facebook and Instagram ads, and I use them you know, interchangeably is a really great way of kind of like effectively creating demand. And and we actually see this all the time. Like someone I'm helping, they've got a product which is new and it's wonderful to come up with new products, but there's no search traffic for it. We can't get in front of people who want to buy that because they don't know it exists. I help them run top of funnel ads on social, but then they Google search their brand afterwards because they're like, well, who is this person? I want to kind of see any reviews and et cetera. So it... It can drive brand traffic as well. So it's like a one-two punch. You've got the interruption marketing followed by the intent. Exactly. 
And also social is good when you want kind of social proof on your ads, et cetera. Like you want lots of people to like your page or if you have a funny video that people would share. Exactly. Uh, I noticed that viral aspect, I can really see how that would not apply to uh, a Google paid search ad. Well, and you also can't share a Google ad. Yep. There's no share button. There's no comment button. And so, yeah, like it's they're just they're completely different platforms. Different animals for different applications. Absolutely. So your advertising needs to be completely different on both those platforms and maybe even your strategy. It really depends on your vertical or your industry. And that's where you help, right? Because you've seen all the categories. Someone's wanting to quickly harness results. They can plug into teachtraffic.com. Mm-hmm. They can say, Alana, this is what I've got. And you say, okay, well, based on what I've seen, I would be trying this strategy with these platforms, with this channel, with these keywords or categories or whatever the specifics are. And you're going to try and get them as close to success as, as quickly as possible. Absolutely. And I was funny, I was on a call, like I think yesterday with a Teach Traffic member where they were just unsure of their starting point. And what I just I found in my experience of like, what you start doing and what you end up doing can often look quite different, but you never would have known that you'd end up there if you hadn't started at that initial point. So you might kind of come up with an idea of, I'm going to do kind of like what you were saying, what the, the two sucker punch or whatever it was that face. Yeah. That, that basically a two step or two, a two step, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then you think, okay, this is, you know, my Facebook ads are kind of driving demand, but they could be better. And you end up just doing Instagram or whatever. I'm kind of not thinking of a great example, but it's important to start with using the data and information you've got at hand in the beginning of it, then analyzing the results from that and going, right, how can I interpret these results and pivot and adjust accordingly? And just, as I said, in my experience, what you end up doing can often look somewhat different, but that's okay because it's just about getting going. It's what I say to everyone I coach. Like once we figure out the best potential starting point, it's just a hypothesis that we're going to end up in a different place. For example, you used to provide a paid ads agency was the main thing you did. And now you're Mm -hmm. mostly teaching people how to do it directly in your education center there at at teachtraffic.com. For me, I've noticed my membership changes personalities over the years. Like it's definitely not how it started. It started with a group of people who purchased a course and I was giving them the membership as a bonus to take them through the course step by step. Now that's ancient history. That's 2009. (laughs) Very different environment now. So yeah, it's important to start, but I also disagree with the often sort of rolled out mantra of just start. Because if you just start in the wrong place, you're going to burn all your budget and get no result. And that's why this episode's so important. We've got a limited budget. It's like we have this limited amount of water. Mm-hmm. We want to be filling up a thimble, not trying to fill a bathtub, right? We want to do it carefully and precisely. And we want to get a maximum result. And when we, when we know it works, then we can upgrade to a cup and then a bucket and then the bathtub. So I know you've got steps that you suggest people look at if you want to get really granular on this. We've got your tiny little budget. You're carrying around your sniper. You know which platform is most likely to be a good starting point. It's not guaranteed, but it's definitely you've, you're either interrupting or you have an intent and you're picking the right channel within each of these platforms. What are your three steps? Yeah, thank you for that. And actually, just going back to what you're saying, something which you said to me, James, a really long time ago, which I've really remembered is, you can't steer a parked car, you know? 
So yes, we're going to cover the steps to how to get that car moving initially, but you've got to start moving because as you said, can't steer a parked car. So in actually the training session that I did for your membership, James, I personally find I learned things better using a case study just because getting away from theory and practicality for me, and I think others are the same, helps me understand how to break up a market. So essentially high level, the three steps I think to success online, really for any kind of business, comes down to good targeting, a good offer, and good creative. You nail all those three, they're in harmony together, then you are, you're flying. Okay. The question is, how do you get those three elements? Okay. So if you're in a competitive market, your first thing is, how am I going to get in front of my target customer? And if we use an example, the example that I used in the training session for your membership, James, was a a business that I stumbled upon, which full disclosure, they are not my client. They are not inside Teach Traffic. Are they your client now or or they still don't know that you've- No, they're not actually. I should probably- What I thought was great because you chose a real business that's not your client and you've just given them a masterclass. So eventually they're going to find out this happened and they're going to say, thanks for the blueprint, Alana, and how else can you help us? (laughs) Seriously, it was masterful. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe I should reach out to them and, and share the training with it. But I really, I just, I stumbled upon it and I thought this just might be a good example because I didn't want to give myself also an unfair advantage, yeah. knowing things that I didn't know. And I really approached it if, if this was my business or if this was a Teach Traffic member where who has not spent a cent on paid advertising, how would I approach this? And Or well, my goal is not really to tell people, but to teach them why I come up with that answer. And that's the important thing in teaching and learning is, is the why, not the how, you know? So um, the example that we were, that case study business that I used was a membership website that teaches people how to crochet. So if you don't know what crocheting is, I now have become a bit of an expert in crocheting through this process. It's a type of knitting Go on, show us your show us your work. Yeah, <laughs> have you got a little nano rug on your lap there? <laughs> no, and actually, I'm pretty bad with my hands, so I don't like my odds in in actually learning how to do it. But this was the the example business that I was using. So, as I said, they've got a membership on how to do crochet. So, if I imagine it, like, who is this person's target audience? Well. I would think let's start with the bottom of the funnel. The people who know they want to learn how to crochet, they're just deciding who they want to learn crocheting from, all right? So let's imagine I was that person and I want to learn how to crochet. Where would I go personally? I don't know about you, James, but I'd go to Google, right? And I would type in how to crochet. Like I'm looking for an article. Mm -hmm. So I do that. I go to Google and I type in how to crochet. And lo and behold, and obviously I'm aware this is a podcast and people are probably listening to this maybe while they're driving or walking their dog and can't do this. So I'll save you the suspense of having to do this yourself. If you go to Google and you type in how to crochet, what's going to come up in Google firstly is a whole bunch of YouTube videos. Okay. Ranking number one organically. I even typed in learn how to crochet thinking that might trigger some Google search ads, but no, there is not one single Google search ad to think that first bucket I talked about. Mm -hmm. That tells me as an advertiser, okay, I'm not going to do Google search traffic on this because I'm going to use the fact that there's no other Google search ads as a sign that maybe that doesn't convert. Okay. Does it mean there's no money in the market? Because that's what it used to mean for me. Look, I mean, 
in the ideal world, if I had an unlimited budget, I may test it. But to me, that, that's an alarm bell of, yeah, like there's no money in this particular keyword. doesn't mean in no keywords, okay? And it's a great keyword. I, and I, from memory, the video was quite popular. Exactly. The video that ranks number one in Google, so not even talking about ranking in YouTube algorithm, ranking in Google, I think it, um, from memory, if I kind of bring it up, it had something like, 23 million views. Okay. So someone's making some money somewhere, even if it's just showing ads. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So as an advertiser, that tells me, right, I'm not going to bid on this keyword for search, but hang on a minute. It's given me an idea. Maybe I need to do YouTube ads Mm -hmm. for select keywords. Okay. That's what going to Google has kind of revealed to me. If I want to get in the mind of my ideal customer, that's where your ideal customer would end up. They would end up on YouTube watching a video like that. And that makes sense. It's a tutorial, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to learn how to, so it's it's visual as well. It's not something you could probably learn from a blog post. It's the same when uh, my printer wouldn't print. I certainly know how to replace this particular reservoir or whatever. It's a visual thing. I want to see what the guy's actually doing, how he fixes it. And uh, that's the first place I went to. It's exactly what I typed and I got exactly what I wanted. Exactly. Now, if people are showing ads for printer cartridges and it turns out I need this extra thing, which I actually did have to order, that's just the perfect storm. That's right. But that might be a different keyword for when you realize you need the cartridge, having watched the video, then you go back to Google and you type in, you know, whatever, uh, brother. I did. I typed in the exact model number and the exact exactly. name of the thing. Cartridge. And found a supplier and ordered it online instantly. Exactly. And then I opened my drawer to get the other ink and found that I already had a spare one of these things that I got when, <laughs> I, when I bought the machine. So now I've got two. Yeah, but you'll soon only have one because you're going to use the spare one. I'll only have one soon. I've got redundancy. It, it fits perfectly with my model of life. Exactly. Low stress. So all is not lost. You're at least prepared for when it happens again. Hopefully you remember you've got your spare. I won't. I'll Google it and I'll buy another one. Oh, I've got two of these. Like a little gift every time waiting there for you. It's like when I buy a domain name that I already own, you know, I try to. It's like we do go through a lot of information, don't we, in this field? It's true. Anyway, okay, so this tells me that we're going to have to do YouTube ads now. This is where the sniper comes in, right? I am definitely not suggesting you go really broad with your targeting on YouTube. YouTube is a vast ad network and you will melt your credit card in a second if you kind of are not, at least in the beginning, not thinking like a sniper, okay? So what I suggest you do if you're starting out is maybe you just pick like, I don't know, 10 videos to put your ad in front of. I would imagine crochet videos. I don't know about you, James, but unless I really want to learn how to crochet, I ain't watching a video on how to crochet, right? So anyone who is watching that video, you can assume they want to learn and they're in the market for crocheting, right? It's true. Yeah, it's less appealing to me than other topics I could watch. Exactly. It's not something you're going to get distracted with. and Exactly. So you can be very, very strategic and just say to Google, hey, Google, I want to advertise on YouTube, but I'm literally just these 10 specific videos. You don't even have to go to a channel. You can go to a specific video in a channel and advertise just on those. So the one you found, you could just advertise on just that. You can do just that. Exactly. That's sniper-like. I like that. That's right. And have one, your ad that come up before they're about to watch that video. And that is the perfect way to start 
to test your offer and your creative, right? I would assume that if you can't convert the people who are watching that video to get them to click on your ad and your offer isn't that compelling, then there's a problem with your ad and your offer, which you have to fix first. You don't change your targeting, change your offer and your creative before you go wider. So they're the three steps, targeting, offer, creative. This is what our match would be. Targeting, offer, creative. Targeting, offer, creative. Exactly. And the theory behind thinking like a sniper is to eliminate that unknown variable of, is my targeting correct? You know it's correct, right? Because we hate- Because you went and checked the market and said, right, what's happening in this market? Which is the platform and what on that platform, which is the channel that is constantly you know, being shown to me is where people are. And that's my starting point. That's my starting point. Now, yes, this method will not scale. We're not at that point yet. We're at the point of testing our offer and our creative to see, like you've told me, James, does it have wings, yeah. <laughs> right? Once we know it's got wings, then yes, we can go wider in our targeting. But if whatever you're selling online isn't working, it's either one of those three factors is letting you down. So the sniper approach really eliminates the variable of, have I got the right targeting? Because we are nailing our targeting. And as you know, the paid traffic puzzle, which is also another presentation inside um, your community and obviously my community Mm. as well, which goes in depth, really goes through that whole targeting framework. I have a recollection that you actually give it away somewhere or show it somewhere on your website. Um, not the whole course, but... Um, Some of it or a presentation about it. We should put something together for that. Yeah. So on my website, I think it's um, teachtraffic.com slash puzzle. Yep. I give away the presentation that was at your event. There you go. I would go and get that. If you're not a member of my membership or Alana's yet, go to teachtraffic.com forward slash Puzzle. Puzzle. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. And you can watch that whole presentation and it goes through that framework. Yeah. Because there's lots of options, right? Once you get it working, you can cascade and stack ideas and leverage it and talk to the different platforms, share the data, copy the targeting, all that sort of stuff, the cool stuff. Exactly. Okay. So back to our wonderful crochet business. <laughs> okay. So excited. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to learn how to crochet now. You could have made it on surfing, but that's all right. <laughs> I mean, if I wanted to get you more excited on this topic, that's how I would have done it, I guess. Maybe that's, that's a future one. So we can see videos rank organically. Okay. That's fine. Another method you can also do on YouTube is keyword targeting. So mm-hmm. for people who type in those types of keywords, but I know we're mindful of time, so I kind of want to keep going. If we scroll down the page on Google, we also, once again, we don't see any ads. We see what's ranking organically. So people who have SEOed the hell out of their website and wanted to rank for how to crochet, they're ranking number one, two, three, blah, blah, blah. So if we click on those links, the organic links, and go to those websites, what I'm looking for when I go there is to see, does this website allow Google ads on there? go on the landing page or whatever page ranks and I see Google ads there. Wonderful. I can also be a sniper on the Google display network and I can target those websites that have spent thousands of dollars ranking organic uh, to, to rank organically for that and just swipe in front of their audience that way. And once again, just yeah, be like a sniper. So you would rather snipe in a few different places than turn your sniper into a shotgun in one place. I personally would like to do that. Yeah, that's good. Well, I value your opinion since it's what you, you spend millions of dollars worth on ads and you, you know such things. 
Yeah, and I guess that's the way I've approached it. It might be a situation where you ask 10 people, you might get 10 different answers. I'd ask one Alana, the data analyst. (laughs) Yeah, she's going to know. So, yeah, but once again, that's just for that keyword. So if I go back to then this particular business and I can see that they hold workshops, I go to Google and I type in crochet workshop with a location, lo and behold, Google ads do come up and then those are my kinds of keywords. So clearly how to crochet was too top of funnel and I can come up with more lower funnel type keywords for- Or long tail. Or long tail. Micro-targeting. Exactly. Hyper-relevancy. Yeah. So we've done that actually. I've sort of been helping someone as well who is in a really competitive niche. They're in like the mortgage broking industry, mm-hmm. which is, oh my God, like you're competing yeah. against- some, a big, you know, big one. It's a big one, right? So how do you break up a market like mortgage broking to make it affordable? And like you say, it's all about long tail. It's about breaking up that entire- service offering into its subcategories, into its sub-niches or niches for our American listeners, which still feels weird to say, so that we can go after the long tail. And it's really all about finding that backdoor entrance rather than trying to go through the front door where there's a whole long line and you're just standing at the back of the queue and you've got no hope of ever getting in. You've got to find the side door and the backdoor entrances to these big markets. Love it. Yeah. Do you have a question? You look like you do. No. I mean, just target off our creative and just keep setting up little sniper campaigns until you find the ones that work. Yeah, it's kind of really that simple. I'm a big fan of, so we're really sort of talking heavy towards the Google strategy, obviously where there's intent. In an instance like that, be it the mortgage broking example where it, it, you know, I don't go to Facebook to find a mortgage broker. I don't know about you, but I don't. But at the very least, I would retarget on Facebook. And, you know, really keep front of mind of people by a holistic retargeting campaign. I'm guessing with Facebook, you could do something more like um, a home buyer's guide or something that you could publish, a consumer guide, like catch people at a broad level and then funnel them into the thing you're trying to sell. Exactly. One strategy which I quite like on social with from a retargeting point of view is um, intentionally showing ads to your customers and actually this mortgage broker client um, does do this. To make him feel big? To make them look much bigger, number one. Number two, their customers who love them will comment and go, I use these guys, they were awesome. Ah, perfect. What a way to collect testimonials. Exactly, right? So you've got social proof. Another strategy, sniper strategy, I was helping this person with, the mortgage broker was, and obviously they serve only one particular state in the United States, is we've targeted really big business type websites and just done a banner placement on them. So CNN.com, et cetera, and just in certain regions where they want to kind of get in front of a certain demographic. So profile building. Profile building, yeah. And just target really big high traffic websites and just advertise just on them in the regions that they service. And like they get not only a ton of free branding, but – leads and sales from that as well. And it's going to improve the conversions of anyone who's encountered that and then ends up in their sales funnel. Exactly. So there's really many, many ways that you can think like a sniper in your industry. So for your listeners, I would think about, imagine that you are your target customer. What would you do as a starting point? 
to get in front of them and emulate that experience for your target customer and see what comes up in the search results or see what comes up, you know, however somebody would engage online so that you can kind of emulate that experience. Perfect. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Get in the customer's shoes. And also if you have something that's working and you want to get it going, then get in touch with Alana, see if she can help you take it to the next stage. It's not that hard to get a return on investment from a Teach Traffic membership if you've got something that you're selling. And if you're already making sales, then it's almost certain that Alana's going to flip a few switches and turn a few dials and see what she can get for you yep. in a reasonable time frame, shall we say. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Well, this is episode 945. Hopefully you're inspired now if you do have a small budget that you're going to get out there, choose the right platform, the right channel, get your little sniper campaign going based on what the market is showing you, based on how a customer would actually approach the market. And you just get yourself there with tiny little campaigns that are super, super tight and prove them so that you can go on to the next stage. I really appreciate you sharing and uh, I hope you'll come back and share more. I will. Love to. Thanks so much, James. There you go. Alana Wexler, teachtraffic.com. Awesome. This is James Schramko. 